1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 133 of A True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. For those of you who are new, we just wanted to go over some rules with you in the beginning. Uh, John knows nothing about this case that he's about to hear. So actually, he actually knows less than the listeners even know because you have read a show description and John has no idea what he's getting into, So we just wanted to remind listeners that that's kind of the way that this show goes because we have been getting some reviews lately saying that John seems to know nothing about the case. And that's 100% correct.
2: That is true. I know nothing. (laughs) So you guys were indeed correct. But uh, I actually love that. I love the fact that I know nothing because it kind of just gives me like like a blank canvas to kind of put out my ideas. So I like that.
1: That's true. And you react like the adorable man that we love.
2: Well, oh, that's very Over kind. these five years. Listen, do not flatter me here.
1: <laughs> so at the top of the show, we just wanted to thank you all for listening. And if you are a new member of our Patreon page, where you can get two bonus episodes a month, then we will be giving you a shout out at the end of the episode. So stay tuned if that's you. Or if you just like hearing names. Whatever whatever you like. And we would also like to thank anyone who left us a review they could not be sweeter, and we really appreciate how good you all are to us. And it truly fills us with so much joy hearing your words and how much you like the show. It really helps us keep going.
2: It's so true. Well, really quickly, um, sh- do, should we do this in the beginning of the show or at the end? We were going to reach out to some of the people um, that we that heard that we're talking about us? Oh, yeah, that's right. Should we talk right. about that?
1: No, we could do it now. Okay,
2: let's do it now before uh, we get into it.
1: Right, you tell the story.
2: Okay, uh, so a little brief story here. Um, I have a friend of mine who was... Um, he was actually in... Um, Cape Cod. Cape Cod, and they were on the beach, and I guess a few of our listeners were talking about us on the beach. So my friend texted me and goes, Hey, man, you're not going to believe this. I'm sitting here at the beach with my family, and I hear people talking about john and k with the true crime couple <laughs> he goes and i couldn't stop but laugh because i know you guys and he was like i couldn't believe it so
1: sometimes our friends like d- they truly don't believe what's going on
2: <laughs> no they don't so when i guess like it really shocked him and uh, so then i was just being a, like a, a ball buster and i was like dude go ahead and walk over there and, and and like get their names you know just you know so we could say their names on here and he goes i am not doing that <laughs> He goes there, you know, he I wanna be like a creep, yeah, like he goes, yeah, that's exactly it. He's like, I am not gonna be a creep, so that's not happening. i go, all right, well, so
1: if a few weeks ago you were talking about us on a Cape Cod beach, we appreciate you. yes, because so, you validated our truth to our friends. That's exactly right. <laughs> so
2: shout out to you guys, whoever you are.
1: And I have another exciting announcement. Um, we have to say that we have been over the past five years, so surprised time and time again at how amazing and welcoming the podcast world is, especially the true crime branch. And that's really saying a lot because there are so many of us. And aside from the occasional weird drama, you know, um, everyone is really supportive. So in lieu of ad spaces for the next 10 episodes, we thought we would leave room for us to tell you about some other great true crime podcasts out there. Because every true crime lover loves finding a new podcast. So we thought that would be a fun thing for us to do for you all. So this episode is going to conclude our anniversary month, five years. I still can't believe it. So I'm pulling out an intriguing case for you all that I feel doesn't get as much attention as it deserves. But before we get into the episode, I just want to make the audience aware that there are trigger warnings for today's episode and they can be found in our show notes. Are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. It is not often that people find a calling, something that they were born to do. But that is what happened with the subject of today's episode, Davina Buff-Jones. Since she had been a little girl, all she wanted to do was become a police officer. Although she achieved her goal a little bit later than others, she was still proud that she had accomplished her goal despite being in a difficult place in her life. But it would be just like Davina to finish the academy during some hard times, because that was the kind of tenacity the young woman had. And it would be that very tenacity that the people of Bald Head Island, North Carolina, would say got her into trouble on a chilly night in October while she was on patrol. And others claim something else happened entirely. But the mystery of what caused the death of the 33-year-old rookie officer is something that still divides the affluent island to this day.
0: Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another. Are we not?
1: Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Founded in 1817, Bald Head Island is the southernmost barrier island in North Carolina. It's where the black waters of the Cape Fear River converge with the great and boisterous Atlantic Ocean. The small, somewhat remote island is accessible only by boat or ferry, which allows just under 200 year-round residents to escape from the hustle and bustle of mainland life. Time slows down on Bald Head Island. When you board the ferry, you leave your car and worries behind. The banning of cars on the island adds to its peace and tranquility. The only way to travel around the island is by boat, bicycle, golf cart, or four-wheeler. Although the island is just about six miles in size, only 20% of it can be developed, as other portions of the island, including its marshes on the north side, are considered a nature preserve. The old Victorian homes that line the southern part of the island are almost as beautiful as the view you can get when you climb the 108 steps it takes to get to the top of the oldest lighthouse in the state, a lighthouse that those on the island have nicknamed Old Baldy. According to historians, the Native Americans used Bald Head Island for the same purpose we do today, as a summer retreat. It is the perfect marriage between the live oak forests and the pristine sandy coastline. Besides reconnecting with nature, there's so much to do on the island. You could stay at the many historic homes that are offered as rentals, play golf, enjoy great drinks and southern food, listen to live music, visit the Conservancy, or watch the sailboats off the deck of the Marsh Harbor Inn. Or you could do what has people coming back year after year. Each month, the island holds a Howl at the Moon Festival, where residents and tourists during the summer gather beneath the full moon and exchange whatever meals and alcohol they brought to enjoy. I mean, that sounds like the coolest thing ever.
2: I feel like all of this sounds really cool. Also, I didn't even know this existed.
1: I know. Am I convincing you to maybe we could take a vacation?
2: (laughs) Hey! Hey! (laughs) We
1: have not gone on a vacation in ten years. I know we haven't.
2: It actually does make me want to go on a vacation, but that sounds really good. Yeah, it is really cool.
1: What's interesting is now my family. So my mother and my sister, they live in Sneed's Ferry, North Carolina, which the beach of Sneed's Ferry is Topsail Island, which is actually pretty relatively close to Bald Head Island. Oh, is it? Yeah. So maybe next time we go out there, we could visit. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, although Baldhead Island may seem like paradise, sometimes pretty things can be dangerous. Baldhead Island is located in an area of the Atlantic Ocean that's known as the Graveyard of the Atlantic. The island specifically has caused over 20 shipwrecks, and those are the only ones we know about. As recent as February of 2022, A shipwreck washed up on the beaches of the island. The wooden planks and the rusted bolts were dated back to the late 19th century. So it seems like they're still kind of discovering shipwrecks that took place.
2: That is so cool. Quick side note. That is like my one of my craziest like passions is like shipwrecks and like. Like uh, you know, danger. Like you know, where anywhere there was an issue with ships. I don't know. I like it. I know. I have to convince Titanic.
1: (laughs) I have to convince John not to cover like shipwrecks all the time.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I love. He's like, how
1: about this shipwreck? Seems pretty good.
2: And you're always like, no, I don't (laughs) want you to do that. Like, can you not do that? I know. I I just love them. They're so fascinating.
1: Maybe you'll present an episode on shipwrecks one day.
2: One day, if it involves a murder.
1: I'll try. We'll find one. Maybe. So the reason for the wrecks. Can be attributed to what is known as the frying pan shoals. The shoal or sandbar is caused by the slit from the Cape Fear River building up as it meets the tides of the ocean. It causes the water to suddenly become very shallow. This shoal in particular is 28 miles in length and it's shaped like a frying pan which is obviously how it got its name. What makes it more dangerous is the fact that the shoals and others in the area emerge seasonally. They form and transform rapidly, which makes them difficult to navigate. And of course, it's easier now with the boat technology that we have, like including radar and stuff like that. But imagine when there was none of that. It would seem like you were just sailing on an ocean and an island is so far away, but then all of a sudden you hit this shallow shoal. And that's why the waters surrounding the Capes of North Carolina have claimed the lives of many a sailor. But Bald Head Island was also used for its remote location and proximity to the mainland. During the 17th and 18th century, it was a popular hideaway for pirates, including Blackbeard himself. And although time goes on and the game changes slightly, the criminals do not. Because in the 1980s and 90s, it was rumored that the island was a location of a massive narcotics and weapons smuggling operation to get drugs and guns to the mainland of North Carolina. Something that allowed this to go on was the fact that Bald Head Island was a playground for the rich. The vacation spot is not a corny seaside attraction. Most of the homes on the island are worth over $1 million dollars. Those that live there do so because they don't want to be bothered. And most that visit don't expect to be bothered when they get there. Because that's what everyone's paying for, isn't it? Freedom to have fun and escape. And we all know there are no rules while you're on vacation. So the police and the higher-ups learn to let a lot of things go. And you have to think, there's no cars allowed on the island. And it's vacation, so people end up drinking a lot. And sometimes a lot of stupid things happen, but those with privilege often can get away with their bad actions. And the police learned to just kind of let it go because it wasn't worth the hassle and the paperwork, knowing that these people were just going to get off on these things anyway. So they would really let some things fly on the island that wouldn't fly anywhere else. And I'm not necessarily talking about anything outrageous. I'm talking about like open containers, drunken disorderlies, the occasional fight, they learned to kind of pick their battles. But because police action on the island was considered low, it kind of opened this door for a smuggling operation.
2: Yeah. You know, no, it's interesting, too, because I'm sure there's other places like this where they get into a situation where you have, let's say, 200 plus people on the island. They're there to have a good time. You obviously know that, you know, they don't want to go anywhere else because... You know, it's secluded. No one's going to bother you. But you run into an, an issue because if you charge somebody with something or they get in trouble for something, you might affect the economy of the island.
1: Right. That We're talking about wealthy families that aren't going to come back and might sell their vacation home. And then they might convince their friends to sell their vacation home. And it's just something. The police have to deal with a lot of political things.
2: Right. I could see that totally happening there.
1: And this is how rookie officer Davina Buff-Jones landed herself into a bit of hot water on the island in 1999. Davina, or Dee, as her friends and family called her, was a stickler for the rules. It had been a dream of hers to be a police officer, and at 33, she had finally received her wish. Her path to becoming an officer in blue had not been a straight line, but nonetheless, she was proud of herself and her parents couldn't have been more happy for her. Davina had grown up in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is just over 200 miles away from island life. She was the middle child of three sisters. She was no Southern belle, but a tomboy with a free spirit and a big heart. The daring and dangerous things she would get herself into always made her parents nervous. And although she seemed to have all the confidence in the world when doing the things she loved, like being outside or playing sports, in reality she was an insecure child that worried about not fitting in, something I'm sure we can all relate to. Growing up, she always saw her parents working hard to provide a good life for her and her two sisters. They owned a restaurant called Peddler's Steakhouse, which is now the location of the Embassy Suites. She always wanted to do the same, but restaurant life really wasn't for her. Instead, she wanted to be a police officer. She was passionate about helping people and upholding the law. She also wanted to recreate the love that she had always witnessed between her parents. She tried hard to replicate it, but she hadn't been really successful in finding the right person for her. And by the age of 31, Davina had moved in with her parents to Oak Island, where they had retired, um, following two marriages and two divorces.
2: Hey, you know, some people, you know, it's just not meant to be. And there's nothing that you could do about it.
1: Yeah, sometimes your first marriage or second marriage don't work out. And, you know, third's always a charm. Yeah, it is. That's what they say. Yeah, sure. You know. (laughs) And I think it's better to leave um, a relationship that's not good than stay in it. I don't necessarily think that getting a divorce is is a failure on the part of any either party. I just think, you know, you know, we kind of cover this in the last case with the ether man, where if you see this loving relationship between your parents, it kind of makes you feel like, oh, did I fail something? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's kind of hard to see your parents be so in love, or maybe your siblings have good relationships and then you can't find it. So it's like disheartening, but definitely not at her fault whatsoever. Okay, guys, we're going to take a break here and talk about a true crime podcast that you might like. Do you ever wish your friends were as into true crime as you were? We certainly do. Well, Stephanie and Olivia from the popular True Crime Society social media accounts are ready to tap in as your true crime besties to guide you through the latest cases No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it was there that Davina wanted to have a fresh start, you know, kind of moving to the same area that her parents did because they had sold the restaurant and they decided to retire to the coast, which is a nice place to go. So to help and improve herself, she enrolled at the police academy, something she had always wanted to do. At 31, she was the oldest at the academy, but she shined brighter than any of the other cadets. But Davina had always been that way. At 4 feet 11 inches and weighing under 100 pounds, she always had a lot of energy. But she often went overboard doing things because she would often get looked past because of her size. So she always felt like she needed to prove herself. And for her enthusiasm, she was rewarded in the academy. And this was something she was really proud of. After she graduated, she was able to secure a job not far from where she lived on Oak Island in Bald Head. Which is about a 20 minute ferry ride away. It was actually a pretty good commute even though it's by boat
2: that's still not that bad i always think like the ferry rides to go places is like so old school it's like like all these those movies where it's like okay everybody on and like you see this island approaching as you're on a ferry it's very dramatic yes yes i
1: always think of dolores claiborne
2: oh is that what you think of
1: yes i feel like uh, yeah. you don't do you know what that no, is no okay. i have no idea god bless god bless you
2: i yourself. i do i i think of the movie <laughs>
1: I like how you tried. To, you were like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh, is that what you? I thinking? couldn't. I had no idea it's what were okay, talking about. It's a Stephen about. King book, oh, and then okay. later it was a movie.
2: Really, I never even heard of that.
1: Yes, and Kathy Bates plays Dolores. We have to watch it. We'll watch it.
2: Wait, is that? Oh, yes. Okay, okay. Now that you okay, Kathy Bates, I I remember now. I think I know where this is going.
1: No, I think you're thinking of Misery. I oh. know how your mind works. Shit, yeah, you're right. I you know. All okay. right. Well, all we're... right. Well, that's cool. We Kathy will Bates watch is a good it. actress. Yes. John hates slow burn movies. I do. So it's it's a hard life for me, guys.
2: But I was thinking more like Shutter Island when he's on the boat. Okay. More similar, A little bit more relevant. Similar vibes. Yeah, not similar relevant. Vibes. I'm sorry, not relevant. More recent. Yes. But yes.
1: I'm more of an old school movie person. You are.
2: But that's cool, though. I mean, you kind of have to have a little bit of both worlds here. I guess so. so.
1: Except I watch your movies. You don't watch mine.
2: It's a toss up. <laughs> it's a toss up.
1: Okay, so she has to take the 20-minute ferry ride to work every day. And the police force on the island was small. At the time she served on the force, there was only about 150 year-round residents. The traffic really only came in the summer. Of course, because they needed to travel fast for emergencies, the police on the island had a limited number of small pickup trucks that they were allowed to use on patrol. And then, of course, there was an ambulance and a fire truck, But those were kind of the only vehicles on the island, but it did help them with patrols, obviously. So they did have trucks. All of the officers on the force were veteran officers, and specifically veterans to Bald Head Island, which meant that they knew the drill. Leave the rich people alone and just make sure no one gets hurt. Now, this was a bit of a perfect storm for things to go a little sideways with Davina. Think about it you have someone straight out of the academy, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to do the job that she was trained to do. But at the same time, she's no kid. She's a woman who is secure and confident in the things she was doing and saying. And those things were upholding the law. And as a rookie police officer, even though your head and heart might be in the right place, you still haven't had the experience in the streets to learn what to do and what not to do and when to do it, when not to do it. Something that I think is true for like everyone's job. Like think of yourself on day one and then now think of yourself today, assuming that you're years into your profession or your job. And you do have to kind of learn the ropes, learn to trust yourself in, okay, what battles do I take on? What do I do? Or you learn how to do things more efficiently. But at first, you're just so eager to do what you're supposed to do. Like, your ideology has kind of, like, changed over time.
2: Of course. And, like, the confidence grows as well. I mean, she seems very confident, but she hasn't been through those situations yet, Um, which I'm sure, you know, especially as a police officer, I feel is challenging. Yes. So.
1: But then I feel like you do have to learn things and that comes in time although you might feel like you know everything as soon as you leave the academy or you know like same for me in the teaching profession when I left school I still learn things every year you learn what battles to pick you know
2: oh exactly I mean like I said she has to learn about the island and the people that are on it and how they conduct themselves you know
1: and that's not necessarily saying that everything they did on the island was correct but sometimes as like a police officer, they're, you're going to want some people to be in your favor because they're going to help you later. So you might want to ease up on, you know, the fines for the people at the inn because they're going to help call you when people get too rowdy and drunk. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like she hasn't learned the ropes of the island yet, but that was getting her in a bit of hot water. The fact that she was trying to really kind of uphold every law, which she should have been doing but also is getting her in trouble.
2: Your Libra is you know speaking I mean? right now.
1: I know. I'm very back. I'm, <laughs> but I own. do
2: agree with you, though. <laughs> I do. I mean, if you're a cop, you're there to uphold the law. A lot of those veteran cops also are in a place where they will be a little bit uh, laid back on those things because they don't want to probably get up and do anything. Whereas she has a lot yes. of energy. She wants to pr- go out and prove her worth and what she's all about. And so they're it's,
1: definitely not going to like that because it right. makes them look bad that well, she has energy. Well,
2: it sets a precedent. Yeah. So that's another thing that you have to always keep in mind here. Even though you want to do the right thing and do your job well, you're going to have a lot of coworkers that are with you there. You know, your brothers and sisters at arms there that might not really want to do the same and put in the effort like you do. Yes. It happens in every job. Everybody knows it. Everyone that's listened to this probably knows exactly what I'm talking yeah. about.
1: Everyone else is screaming in frustration yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true um you know she was gaining her bearings as a police officer which isn't easy Um, not as a woman especially one who was joining what is essentially the good old boys club of the south especially in an affluent area so at first when she's hired she would go out on patrol of the island by herself because that's the way they did things the population on the island was so small and you have to think it's even pretty small in the summer Because only 20% of the island is inhabitable. So even though all the homes might be filled, you're only talking about 20% of a six-mile island. So it's still not a lot of people. Like the max amount of people you're going to have on the island at one time is probably going to be around 300 people.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm sure most people are going to kind of migrate towards the beach part of the island where everyone is, like where all the homes are.
1: Yes, so, yeah. so the way it's, like, situated is that the houses are all in the southern part of the island where the beaches are.
2: Right. And I, I'm sure the only time a, a police officer would have to go on the other side is if someone maybe is missing or something.
1: Well, on the northern side of the island where the marshes are, it's where, like, the business district is. Okay. Okay. Well, at first, things were fine because she was hired in January, the off-season. But then when summer rolled around and those that had vacation homes and the tourists came in, Davina essentially did her job. She gave out summonses um, for people that had opened containers, issued fines for loud music that was, you know, on too late, things like that. And when the people she was giving tickets to or fines to would get mouthy with her, she would get mouthy back with them and give them additional fines for their behavior. Never did she go beyond the scope of what she was allowed to do, or give them anything they didn't have coming they were just rich and not used to this happening on the island and they weren't used to getting pushback especially from a woman yeah so many complaints were filed against Davina in the summer months but lucky for Davina, her chief was a woman karen grasty and uh chief grasty really is going to take Davina under her wing And explain to her, you know, you're really just trying to figure things out. And while you didn't necessarily do anything wrong, you should dial it back a bit. Observe for a year until you act is kind of what, obviously, if someone's doing something crazy wrong, you can write them up. But she's saying, I think you need to kind of watch a little bit more.
2: I mean, I'll be honest. I think, I mean, and that's great and all. That's good advice. But I think that that's probably should, how it should have been from the start. I'm not going to lie here. Because you want to give this rookie all the tools to succeed. By throwing her out there to go on runs on patrols by, by herself. I think it's a little too much at first. And I think that regardless of the size of a town, an island, whatever you want to call it, I think it's I think it's beneficial to her, to her longevity if she... Watches under someone else that this chief might think is a good good officer, right? So, like, pair her up with another officer that you know will teach her the right ways uh, to do things or conduct things that would fit the island better. Because right now, she's just going base right off the book. And like like previous was saying, like, even though that's the right thing to do, it might not work that way like that's you know
1: there's more than just yeah. the actual law there's Wait, the, there's the you, human yeah. aspect of being. there a is officer. and i think that
2: sometimes you have to bend a little bit on some things
1: not saying these people weren't probably complete assholes oh, i'm sure they like, were they're
2: probably drinking and there is crazy a human things.
1: aspect to kind of dealing with and quelling a situation versus making it worse and then creating an adversity to the police on the island yeah but it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what chief grassy does After kind of these complaints were made against Davina, instead of writing her up, she said that in order to kind of help her with her judgment calls and teach her the ins and outs, she was going to pair her with a veteran officer to be her patrol partner. And this was someone that she really trusted, Lieutenant Keith Kane. And at first Davina was kind of offended by this. She thought that Grasty was saying she was incapable of doing the job herself. However, the chief told her that that wasn't the case. In no way was this a demotion. She just wanted to also protect her. If she had Keith Kane, the man she assigned to her, with her, she would have someone there who was a well-respected member of the community that could back up Davina's side of events. Because it's very hard when you have a group of citizens or a group of tourists saying that you did something wrong and then it was just you there.
2: And still at this point, she's kind of like an outsider uh, compared, compared to everybody else on the island.
1: And she's a rookie. Right. So, I mean, you make mistakes. I made so many mistakes my first few years of tea. I still make so many. You know, you make mistakes. Sure. That happens. Yeah. It does. So to have someone else in the room is, is helpful and supportive. Zavina eventually understood and was grateful to receive help. But to friends and family, she confided that she didn't want to be a glorified security guard. She wanted to be a police officer. And it seemed like that was the direction that this job was headed. So she wasn't happy with her position on Bald Head Island.
2: Well, I don't think they made it easy for her. No. And it seems like it's probably because she's a woman... Because she's an outsider, mm-hmm. I'm sure that all those things had a, a role to play. But I mean that that is sad because you go into something because you, you know, you have a passion for it. That's the same thing as if you if you were you know you are a teacher and then that's like someone saying you know what we're gonna you know we're not gonna have you in the classroom anymore where your tool set you know where your,
1: where your passion yeah
2: where your passion did I say tool set it's fine you know what I mean like we that's you. that's your set of like um you know, traits that make you really well in the classroom. So same with her out in the field. Like, you want to be, you want to always play into your strengths, not your weaknesses.
1: Yeah, and what you're passionate for is what keeps you on the job. Right. Yeah, the bureaucratic, like, bullshit with teaching is frustrating. But when I get to be in the classroom, that's when I'm so excited.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I I think that for her.
1: Right, so what what she's kind of going through is, yes, I understand there's politics involved with being a police officer, bureaucratic things that I am going to have to deal with. But at least I could be helping people. And they're even taking that kind of away from her. So that's why she's like, I don't know if this island is right for me.
2: I mean, she's definitely justified.
1: So after speaking with many people, Davina concluded that maybe working on Bald Head Island wasn't for her. She was grateful for the opportunity and all of the people that were helping her. But there was really no room for upward movement because there were about a dozen officers that had seniority above her. So it would be near impossible for her to to even rise in rank, especially because of what they thought of her. And, you know, this just wasn't how she envisioned herself being a police officer. However, it was the experience that she needed. So she was going to stay on the island, but she did start applying for other jurisdictions um, around September of 1999.
2: Okay, I mean, that's good. Like actively looking for other jobs while getting experience, some, some, something that you could put on your resume. And, exactly. And have another, like if they ever call the chief, they could, the chief could say, she was a great officer here. So right. that's good. Right. That's, that's, that's a good step.
1: So that leads us to the night of October 22nd, 1999. On that day, Davina had been a bit distracted by things going on in her personal life. She had been dating a detective at the Brunswick County Sheriff's Department, but she had begun to find him to be a bit of a loose cannon and somewhat obsessive. At least that's what she told her sister on the phone. Because of this, they had always had a bit of a tumultuous relationship, and they had just broken up, so of course the breakup was fresh on her mind. But she kind of had to snap out of it because she was scheduled to work the night shift, So she had to be at work at 6.30 p.m., which meant that she had to catch the 6 p.m. ferry over to the island because it was about a 20 minute ferry ride. She met her partner, Keith Kane, while waiting for the ferry because they were partners now and worked the same shift. They often took the ferry over together because they were leaving from the same location. And of course, the ferry left at the top of every hour. So while the two were on the ferry, Davina noticed three men who were consuming open containers of alcohol. Keith kind of gave her a look like, just forget it. We're not on duty right now. But Davina couldn't. So she walked up to the men and forced them to dump out the alcohol they had. And it was reported that they didn't give her any trouble. But I just want you to keep in mind that that event took place on the ferry. Coming on the over. ferry. Coming, mm-hmm. Okay. So that meant the three men were going to Bald Island. Okay. Okay. Things went as they usually did on the night shift, um, slow. And that's because they're working from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. on an island in the off season. It Seems like the beginning of a horror movie, to be honest. As the two were taking their dinner break at around 10 p.m., they were interrupted by a call from the River Pilot Cafe, which is located at the marina, which is on the north side of the island. They were the only ones available, so they had to answer the call. An employee at the cafe reported a missing golf cart. So I know this sounds trivial, but remember, there's no cars allowed on the island, so it's kind of like their transport Transportation.
2: Yeah, and tech, you know, technically someone could have taken it, got in it, and stole it. <laughs>
1: and this was part of the business of the River Pilot Cafe. They rented out golf carts to tourists and people on the island. Okay. So one of them was missing from the, the spots that they had it. And it wasn't like the place was bustling with tourists. We're talking about the end of October at night. Who stole this golf cart? and for what purpose because as of right now the only people on the island were the full-year residents so most of the full-year residents have their own transportation means so it's strange that this golf cart went missing. Davina and Keith spoke privately to each other um, while they were at the cafe because they felt like okay we think we know what happened here Earlier in their shift, when they did a sweep of the island, which is usually what they did probably about three or four times during their 12-hour shift, they had seen that in the parking lot close to the lighthouse, there was a parked golf cart that didn't seem to belong to anyone. So they put two and two together and they figured that the missing golf cart from the cafe was most likely the one they had seen at the lighthouse parking lot, so they told the people at the cafe that they were going to check the registration of the cart by the lighthouse, and then they would report back. They thanked them and said, "You know, it's not a crazy emergency, and we're closing up soon, so we might not be here."
2: Okay, well at least they're putting two to two, uh, two and two together here. I know we so got so some, some detectives. Yeah, maybe. That, that's must be happening.
1: So they went to check on the cart and they recorded the registration and went back to the cafe, which at that point was closed. So they just went back to the station. They left the information for the officers that would be there the following morning to follow up with the cafe to determine if that was their cart by the lighthouse. But this is something that I find interesting because I looked up the distance between the cafe and the lighthouse and it's not far at all so one it's weird that someone would steal a golf cart and drop it off at the lighthouse because the cafe and the lighthouse are walking distance from each other so you really wouldn't need to steal a golf cart to go that distance so i find that a little bit strange
2: yeah that is a little strange
1: and then um but, you know, then I was thinking it's late October, so maybe it's cold. Or maybe the person that stole the golf cart was unfamiliar with the island and didn't know how close the lighthouse was to the where they were at the cafe. I
2: mean, I guess that's a it, possibility. It could yeah. be.
1: And secondly, it's very close, again. So it must have taken tops 15 minutes for the two officers to go check the registration. So the cafe, I find that to be weird. Like you call this car, you call in a missing golf cart. They they go, we think we know where it is. We'll just go check the registration. You can't stay open an extra few minutes just to like figure it out.
2: I mean, that is weird. Like you would think that the owner would be like, you know, um, all Let my staff. A few yeah, all my staff is going to be leaving. Uh, I'll I'll stay around if you need me. Just knock on a back door or, or something. Yeah. like I'll be in the back or something. Let me know what's going on with my cart. Right, because it is my property. <laughs> I Meaning, you know, why would you just lock okay. up and leave to go home? Your golf cart, your missing property. is it's still out still on the out loose there. somewhere. Yeah, weird.
1: I think that's a little bit weird. So those are the questions I have regarding the golf cart. Listen, I know that everyone is different on island time especially in the off season so maybe they figured it's really not a big deal but i find the fact that the cart was stolen odd because full-year residents have all transportation and it wasn't that far away so i just that's a little strange to me so i just you can put a little question flag there
2: yeah we'll put a question flag. i'm helping you today. we'll put one on. we'll definitely put one that is weird <laughs>
1: So when they returned to the station, Keith finished his dinner and Davina was checking on something on the computer, or at least that's how she referred to it, to Keith. She said, I'm just going to go check something on the computer. And it couldn't be determined what she had searched for on the computer. But at around 11 p.m., she told Keith that she was going to be going out for a ride. She was going to do a patrol by herself in the pickup truck. Now, Keith knew this is kind of how Davina was, and her family's going to say the same thing. She's kind of independent. She likes to do things her own way and by herself, but he found it to be a bit odd because for months now, they had been partnered together, and they always kind of did patrols together. So we thought this was odd, but he was finishing his dinner, and he was kind of just like, okay, it's weird, but I'm not going to stop her because that would be more problems than me trying to say, no, I'm coming. You know, she seemed like she wanted to kind of be alone.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it probably maybe it had something to do with, you know, the fact that she is dealing with this guy in this relationship and needed some time to just kind of because you got to think she just got into an argument or whatever, had to get ready for the night shift, got on the ferry. Now she's there working. It's kind of like one thing right after the other. So you know maybe she just wanted some time to be alone but i do think that that's not a good call uh for two reasons one being you're on you're on your own you were told kind of not to be by your chief and that's why keith is with her to begin with right and secondly it's just unsafe because you have no idea just because there's no like activity of any kind of violent crimes on the island doesn't mean something can't go down and now you're by yourself so that to me is a little bizarre. You're putting yourself in harm's way and you're going against the law, which she seems, not against the law, against the rules that she was the given. The wishes of the chief. And that's odd because she's a rule follower. Right. So that's that's also a weird question that I have.
1: I think that's really interesting. I feel like you hit on two really good points as to why it's strange that she did go off on her own. But what you said about the breakup is also true because as soon as she hops in the truck, the first thing she did was head straight for the payphone in the marina. And this was one of those big red payphone booths like you see in, like, London. It was operating, and it was a very touristy thing to do, to have pictures taken while you're in it. But Davina wanted to call her ex-boyfriend.
2: Okay. So, see? That's what she was going to... All right. Makes sense now, a little.
1: Yep. So, the breakup was very, very fresh, and she wanted to talk to him again. So, that makes sense as to why she maybe didn't want to go with Keith. Because maybe even after this phone call, she could be crying. Breakups are rough. And records do indicate that she made this call to her ex-boyfriend, Scott, the detective, at 11.19 p.m. But before we get any further into what happened on the night of October 22nd, we're going to take a break and talk about our first sponsor of this show. no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So after a few minutes of the phone call that she had with her ex-boyfriend, Davina is going to continue her patrol towards the lighthouse. Now, just for your knowledge, again, the lighthouse is on the northern part of the island and that's where the businesses and the restaurants were as well. The housing is mostly on the southern part of the island and they're kind of like road around the beaches, like most beach towns are. So she must have been patrolling the area for a while because we know the phone call she had with her boyfriend began at eleven nineteen p.m., her ex-boyfriend, and it wasn't a very long phone call. But she was still at the lighthouse at around 11.48 p.m. And we know that because that is when she made a radio call into dispatch. This would be the last time her voice would be heard. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play a recording for you. I know the audio may be a little off because they are recordings that we found and have had to piece together. So, of course, I'll go over it. After I play it, because what is said and the tone that it's said in is very important to the case, which is why I want to make sure I play the audio. Okay, are we ready for her last dispatch call? Let's do it. Okay. So I know that, um, that might be a little hard to hear and it was a little, I mean, it's a radio clip from 1999. So we really kind of went back there on that one. I think
2: we might have made them a little, <laughs> might have been a little harsh on the years there. No, I'm gonna make sure yeah. that I lessen <laughs> that
1: feedback at the end. Cool, Don't cool. worry. Okay, so if you had trouble hearing that, the first thing Davina said was, Show me out with three. Stand by, please. So what that means is she has stopped or saw three individuals. Now, dispatch is about to respond. When Davina actually comes back on the line and it seems as if she is addressing them but also pressing her radio at the same time. So she could basically address these three people that she has encountered while also allowing dispatch to know what is going on because she's not able to tell them and calm this situation down at the same time. So she comes back on the line and she could be heard saying there ain't no reason to have a gun here on Baldhead Island, okay? And this must mean she's nervous because there are no guns allowed on Baldhead Island. So why would someone have one? And that must mean they're either pointing it at her or they have it out because she can see that they have one. Right, of course. Then she said. You want to put the gun down, come on, do us a favor and put it down. And then there was a very loud ear splitting, I promise I'll lessen it for them, kind of feedback and Davina's line goes dead. After this dispatch is going to try desperately to kind of get a hold of her again and to see if she was all right, you know, to kind of get her back on the line and get an update on the situation. Now, of course, the whole time, Lieutenant Keith Kane is back at the station listening to everything unfold over his radio. So now he's frantic because he knows she's out there on her own and he can't help her.
2: Right, which is not good at all.
1: (laughs) No. So then Kane gets on the radio and you can hear the concern in his voice. And he asks dispatch, did she say where she's at? and the woman at dispatch says negative she was not able to get a location kane then gets into another vehicle and begins to search around the island to try and find out where she could be he was also nervous because he didn't know what he would be walking into i mean she said she's encountered three people with a gun or maybe guns
2: i mean yeah. Uh, now that's see this is why like i think that her going off was so bad Because she didn't have any backup. Right. And now he has no idea. Nobody knows whether it's dispatch or himself. They don't know
1: what they're getting themselves into. So finally, he spotted her truck on the road that leads to the historic lighthouse. It was in the parking lot. Its lights were still on and the engine was running. All around him is dark marshland with tall overgrown grass. And most likely, she's in there.
2: I would not like that. Nah, (laughs) I gotta go search out in the dark, in the marsh.
1: Yeah. No! (laughs) So with his flashlight out and gun drawn, he entered the brush. He quickly found Davina laying on the ground, face down. She'd been shot in the back of the head. He immediately radioed in that he had an officer down and that he needed help. He needed rescue. And although Keith Kane called for rescue, he knew that there was no hope in saving his partner. He could find no pulse or detect any breathing. He called dispatch a second time and asked for more backup to arrive at the scene. He then picked up the gun that was lying next to Davina. He at first placed it between... The two vehicles, his truck and hers. He then later moved it to the floorboard of his car. So now he's already picked up this weapon twice.
2: Not good. Okay. This is a mismanagement of a crime scene now.
1: Yes. He has removed the gun from where it was initially found. So we do not have pictures or a clear representation of where the gun was in relation to her body. And now he's handled it twice. Why he did this um, is kind of still a mystery, but it totally goes against crime scene protocol, which is surprising for a lieutenant.
2: Yeah, I, th- this is a...
1: But maybe he's... a. He, I mean, I couldn't imagine how emotional this is.
2: I understand that, but I think that you have to understand it's not like they're civilians. Like, hey, that's coming... From, like, I know what you're saying. That's coming from a place of being a civilian. They know, because they're trained highly... And what to do in very stressful situations like that. Right. I'm sure he knows better to not move that gun and to not move anything on the crime scene until pictures and other like uh, crime scene tech can get there. He knows better than that.
1: No, I agree with you. I do. So the first person to arrive at the scene was the fire chief. And shortly after him, two EMTs are going to arrive at the scene as well with an ambulance. The fire chief immediately declared the scene a hot zone because he believed there was an active shooter on the island. Now, this is a big deal on an island that doesn't allow guns. So the scene was treated as such, and he and Lieutenant Kane are going to crouch down behind their vehicles, as well as the EMTs are going to crouch down on the other side of the ambulance until the scene is deemed safe. So they were waiting for backup to arrive. Eventually, the Brunswick County Sheriff's Department arrives at the scene, including the sheriff himself, and they made an odd call. Because they thought there was an active shooter, they did not want Davina's body to get further shot at, so they ordered her body to be moved.
2: So this is coming from the directive of the sheriff. The sheriff. Now, is this, is this the sheriff's department that's off the island?
1: The, yeah, the, so the Brunswick County Sheriff's Department, Bald Head Island is in Brunswick okay, County. Okay, so it
2: falls within that jurisdiction. Correct. But now why why isn't the chief of police on Bald Head Island, try, like, is, this, is she trying to say, what are you doing? Or is she just outranked as far as what is being done there? Well,
1: we'll get to that. Okay. Don't worry. Because that's very bizarre. The, the sheriff arrives first before the chief of Bald Head Island, Karen Grasty.
2: So we, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put her am gonna put a red flag on this because this is outrageous we have one cop that are that is moving items within a crime scene you know she's already dead already she has to be um, you, the sheriffs department pulls out with a bunch of people right
1: um, yes okay. several sheriffs and the actual sheriff
2: so okay so now we have a hot zone here there could be people with guns in the area why wouldn't you just dispatch the men throughout where you are? To kind of do like a like a like a grid search to make sure there's no present threat.
1: At this point, there's doing they're doing no searches.
2: That's crazy. What
1: they've done is they've kind of created this semi circle surrounding the area of the crime scene, and they're kind of behind their vehicles, waiting for an active shooter.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna just say something. This is what it sounds like to me, okay? It goes back to the beginning of the show. You said to me that there were whispers of illegal activity within the island.
1: Correct.
2: I have this feeling that we are dealing with something that is well I think we're dealing with corruption at its finest. And I and I really believe that something weird's going here on here. Because the mishandle the mishandle uh, of a crime scene, it just seems like messing up a crime scene is being done intentionally moving her body that's intentional you're trying to make it harder to figure out the cause of death and what happened so i i'm having this weird feeling that there's something going on at the island that's that is kind of spreading t- to the cops and maybe even the sheriff maybe who knows okay it's almost like everyone's involved cuz there's no way an island with 150 people on it now you have like you have such a a a, a crazy Murder on your hands, right there, and everyone's just like, "Huh, what?" Okay, I, I, I'm, I, I can't wait for more because this is crazy already. Oh,
1: you just wait, buddy. So her body was swiftly lifted by her ankles and belt loop by deputies and moved onto a waiting stretcher. The stretcher is placed on the ambulance and then taken to the ferry to be transported to the mainland meanwhile the response to her murder was extensive the coast guard and other police and fire departments are going to respond to the call as i mean the call went out that there was an active shooter on bald head island so a lot of people respond as other departments converge on the scene to kind of help the sheriff's department and they're just waiting for this active shooter they're just kind of standing there with their guns drawn the coast guard is trying to continually do sweeps around the island to try and ensure that the shooter or shooters don't escape by boat if they haven't already. Law enforcement remained in their defensive posture for hours, but no signs of the shooter or any danger for that matter emerged. Most likely, they assumed whoever had done this must have already escaped by boat shortly after the shooting had taken place. But let's go back in time a bit to where the sheriff made the call that davina's body should have been moved well at the ferry station was chief karen grasty so chief grasty of the baldhead Bald Island police chief she doesn't live on baldhead island so she was getting there like she had just arrived by ferry okay to get to the call mind you she didn't even have to go because there was another active chief during the time of Davina's murder because she was on disability leave when the incident took place but still she came to the scene.
2: Okay, all right. So there was another acting chief in her in her absence. Yes. Okay.
1: So now she heard the call and she's going to rush to the scene, but as soon as she gets off the ferry, she is shocked. She sees Davina's body was at the ferry station out in the middle of everything, like outside of the ambulance, sitting on the gurney, uncovered out in the open for everyone to see because people were like kind of gathering.
2: Yeah, like what is going on here? I mean, when you told when you said that they were picking her up by her belt loop, I mean, this is it seems like they do not care. No. Uh, That this person was a part of their police force. Yeah. Like the whole, like all the response teams on the island. I don't think they
1: treated her as such. Now she's getting off the ferry and she sees, oh my God, here is my murdered police officer on a gurney. Everyone's looking. Not only is she thinking about the emotionality and the disrespect of what's happening, she's thinking about the evidence too. Yeah. What the hell is going on here? So she's able to move the gurney into the ferry station office just so it's not not everyone can see it. She covers the body and at this point, you know, she cares about the evidence, but she also wants to maintain the dignity of Davina at this point. 100%. And she also notes that her hands had not been bagged to preserve any evidence, which is something that's normal protocol, has not been done.
2: Nothing's been done, it looks like. No. Nothing at
1: all. Shortly thereafter, Davina's body was moved onto the ferry and brought to the mainland so an autopsy could be conducted. Chief Grasty also went back to the mainland because she knew an event like this was going to be picked up by the press. She wanted to make sure the body was handled properly and she also knew she had to be there to answer questions for that. But before she left to go on the ferry, she went to the scene of everything that was going down with the sheriff. And she told the sheriff, I, I know that this standoff is here and it's about to end because obviously nothing had happened for a while. But she said, no one is to go on this crime scene, set up tape and we'll picture it and we'll process it in the morning. That was the. That's what she told the sheriff, and then she went on the ferry with Davina's body back to the mainland.
2: I mean, I mean, at least someone said something. But at that point, it's too late. And you know what? Qu- quite frankly, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that to the sheriff and you're gonna take pictures tomorrow, I, I'm not trying to throw her under the bus either. But I mean, like, even that's bad. What if it rains? What if, you know, something. You know, messes up the footprints. But there's or,
1: nothing you could really do know, at night. They I were kind
2: of screwed. I, it's just like one of those things where it's an unfortunate area, and unfortunate time for it to go down. But I mean, the fact that they don't even handle the body with care, even that is something you would want to do. That might have evidence on the body. Right. You know, it's that's crazy.
1: So first we have a problem with the gun being moved. Then the preservation of the body. Next... There's the questionable things that took place at the autopsy. Savina's body reached the mainland for an autopsy at around 4 a.m. The medical examiner concluded that the cause of death was a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. This is undisputed. But there were several errors made on the autopsy report. Where height and weight are listed on the report, the medical examiner does say estimated. I just want to state that he does mark estimates. However, they're way off. We know at her time of death, Davina, was eleven, That's 59 inches. But on the report, he estimates that she was 65 inches, meaning she's 5'6". Okay. Totally different than 4'11". He also reports that she's 140 pounds. We know she weighs 90.
2: Wow. It's way it does, off. It doesn't make sense. If
1: anyone adds 50 pounds to me in my death, I will haunt them for the rest Stop. of their lives. Are you Stop freaking kidding it. me? <laughs> so I just, I, it just, listen, he's way off here. I know these are estimates, but what this kind of indicates that he's either not paying attention or rushing through something.
2: 100%. It doesn't seem like anyone is taking time and care. To make sure that we could figure out who killed this woman.
1: Yeah, it's just a little, it's a little odd. I'm not saying that's what's bad, but the biggest mistake is a location of the gunshot wound on the diagram of the autopsy. Now, on every autopsy report, there's a diagram of a person. And the medical examiner or coroner is to mark on the diagram where where any wounds are located, um, even if they're not cause of death. The gunshot wound on the autopsy report is shown to have been located behind Davina's right ear. However, it's later determined that that was not the location of the bullet wound. It was actually at the center of the back of her head, and the trajectory was upward and to the left. So there's a big difference in something being behind someone's ear and in the center of the back of their head.
2: Um, yeah, one being whether or not that's suicide or murder somebody right somebody put the gun to the back of her head
1: correct about an hour after the autopsy is performed law enforcement officers go to the home of Davina's parents and inform them that their daughter had been murdered they immediately called the other two children to let them know that their sister was dead and although the family had so many questions law enforcement continued to tell them but there was not a lot they could say because there was an active investigation going on as to what had happened the night prior. The detectives did ask Davina's parents if they would accompany them to her apartment to help them detect if anything was amiss there. And they agreed. Her apartment looked just as it always did to her parents. Um they said you know, you know what I was thinking? This must have been so hard because they had literally just found out hours prior that their daughter was murdered. She passed away. And now they're going through her apartment. And I can imagine the realization hitting them as they're seeing her personal belongings and realizing, like, I'm never going to see her again.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard that for must any, have been really sad. hard yeah, for any family, any person to deal with.
1: So according to Davina's parents, they looked, things looked normal. You know, it looked as if she was rushing to get out of the house because she had work. There was no signs of a struggle or anything out of the ordinary. And when the detectives interviewed her sisters to learn more about Davina, one of them confessed that maybe there was someone who wanted to hurt her. Because, of course, the age old question was asked, who would ever want to hurt your sister? and it was hard for them to say in present company meaning the detectives and the sheriff's department but she thought that maybe it had been Davina's ex-boyfriend Scott the detective that worked for Brunswick County
2: okay like we always say could always be the husband right, right. <laughs> but now <laughs> oh, boyfriend. The,
1: the ex-boyfriend is a pa- a detective at the sheriff's department that ordered her body to be moved
2: that's that's weird also the rush of of, of the autopsy and all on everything the whole, it, it, it's literally like every single step of the way has been done wrong almost as if it was done on purpose yeah also I, I thought about something I just want to I point out I know I always give you my little gun references to this, but it's interesting because if they ever try to make the claim here that um, that she shot herself, I think that that would be extremely hard to do. That means that she would have had to have her gun in her hand, literally facing her forehead, and then would have had to have her thumb on the trigger as she's trying to hold it, and she would have had to have been holding it with two hands. How awkward that would have been. In the back of her head. Right, but I'm saying like yeah. you can't necessarily figure I mean you can figure out if what what which one is an entry and which one's an out, but like like an, you know but
1: they were saying the entry was from the back side of her head.
2: The entry was in the back side. Yeah, so Correct. like you can't do that. How do you even do that?
1: Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. Don't you worry. Oh. So Scott was later questioned about his relationship with Davina. Especially because it was determined that he had been at the ferry station the night of October 22nd.
2: So we can actually place him on the island.
1: We don't know if he, he said he didn't get on the ferry.
2: But he could have.
1: But he could have. And the last call that Davina made before radioing into dispatch had been from to him at the telephone booth.
2: Okay. You know how we could write him off?
1: Because he was home when she called him.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. that also and also even if he did get on a ferry at a later time, and was then on the island, all we have to do is just check if he has any registered guns or if he used a round out of his uh, out of his police pistol.
1: Well, okay, so here's the thing, and this does clear Scott really. Okay, the ferries only leave at the top of the hour. So if he would have been there at eleven forty eight when this call came in. That means he would have had to been on the 11 o'clock ferry, but we know he wasn't because she called him at 1119.
2: That's true. But
1: that doesn't mean that somebody he knows didn't do this because he knew where she was because he had just talked to her on the phone.
2: That's also true.
1: Now, Scott told his fellow detectives that he and Davina spoke because their breakup had been a bit nasty and they still needed to talk some more, you know, once they had both calmed down. They determined that they were better off as friends. She was, he said that she was nervous that they weren't going to be able to be friends because he was upset with her because she was the one who broke up with him. And he assured her, no, we could still be friends. So he said it ended pretty amicably. So detectives clear Scott of any involvement. They also cleared the three men that Davina ran into on the ferry before her shift that day. What? Remember the three guys who poured the alcohol?
2: Yes. She made
1: them pour it out?
2: Wait, but that, those, but she clearly indicated three men. Yes. And they, did they, did they look into their, did they have records? Did they look into them?
1: The only thing that I could find was that they had been cleared. Their alibis weren't provided.
2: Oh, see, the, this is this is egregious. She clearly indicates three men, mm-hmm. and one, and she's she calls into dispatch about that. And most likely, if you know, if those three men from the ferry are the same three men that she encountered, it's very possible.
1: And what if maybe they had something to do with that golf cart being missing?
2: You know, it's funny you bring that up. I'm just going to I'm going to just throw something out here. Okay. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. This once again this is how my brains work in this out. So get ready. Oh, yeah, Everybody I'm... buckle up. <laughs> so let's go let I know this is like kind of like a rumor at this point but let's just go along with it being true. Let's say there are drugs and and guns and weapons coming into this island. There's a few things that we have to consider here. We have we ha- we have rich people that come to this island. This is what I want to know. I know it's off season, but I would like to know was there any parties going on during the time in October? Was there anything going on where you know, maybe some rich people have having a party is it possible that they these people took the golf cart and got it close to like the lighthouse, picked up a shipment of like drugs and weapons of some sort, used the golf cart to get to the get to the shore there are close to pick it up, took what they needed, like a drug run pretty much, and brought it in to maybe where they were having a party or someone who wanted it. Wait
1: a second. You know what I just looked up? What? You know that their Howl at the Moon festival that takes place? Yeah. October 24th. And her, she was murdered the night of October twenty second. So they were preparing for this howl at the moon festival. Okay,
2: so let's. All right, hold on. Now. Oh my I'm god, just, that's crazy. Yeah. So let's just keep going with my theory here. So now these three men are brought to the island. They're probably told by somebody, go to the island. You're you're gonna pick up a shipment. Just use the cart, bring it into wherever. So now what happens now is she's at she's at the dock at the phone booth. Those kids just picked up a shipment of drugs. At some point or another, she re- she meets them. Mm-hmm. They realize, oh my God, we got we got hella drugs on us, and we got uh, and we have weapons on us. Now what? They shoot her. Now you're probably thinking, well, could not she take her gun out? Sure, but she's a rookie officer, probably doesn't want to shoot anybody. And there's three men.
1: Well, it sounds like her her radio call got interrupted.
2: You're right. How do you how do we know that all three men were in front of her? What if one was behind her? Yeah. OK, so I think that this we're getting to something, I think and I'm trying to put this together. We have a festival going on. We got rich people on well, the soon island.
1: They might be there in preparation for it. Yeah.
2: So I, I, I'm thinking that, that this is what's going down. And I think that the drugs and, and weapons, I'll just say drugs for now. But I think even the police officers on the island know about the fact that drugs come to the island during the party.
1: Oh, John, wait.
2: I know it. I feel it. I'm still going. They definitely know. That this is taking place, and they probably are are a little weirded out by the fact that she's trying to crack down on things around the island because, right. they know what, like they they know now that she knows what's really going on, and that is why there's such a mis, a poor mismanagement of her body because, you know, she want to get be, rid of this right because she could be the thing that cracks this whole thing wide open.
1: Well, wait a second. Okay. Keep the anger up because something crazy happens. Okay.
2: And sorry, guys. But that was the picture of my head of everything that we've gotten. No, it's good. I mean,
1: that's the normal progression of uh, people's thought process in this case. So, while Davina's apartment is being searched and her sisters are being interviewed, another massive blunder occurs in this case. Okay. On the morning of October 23rd, not even 12 hours after the incident had initially taken place, Chief Karen Grasty returned to the crime scene to check on the progress being made. When she returned, she couldn't find one.
2: What do you mean she couldn't find one?
1: A crime scene. All of the crime scene tape had been taken down, and any evidence that had been there was gone.
2: Under whose authority?
1: Well, she inquired as to what had happened, and she was told that someone... And to this day, we still do not know who gave the order to the fire department to hose down the entire crime scene.
2: No, 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 and no, remove no, the tape. No, 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 this is crazy. That is. Kay, Kay, I've never seen such like blatant like this is being done to cover up the fact that she was cracked. She was cracking down on something. I think she was getting close to something. She ran into these people, and they're trying to railroad everything. There's no other way to, 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 um, to put it.
1: Well, Chief Grassley is going to ask why. Why was this done? Why was the crime scene hosed down? Why was the tape taken down? And why is a phenomenal question? Because there was a wedding scheduled for that day where the crime scene was there was a nearby church and the plan for that day was to get married at the church take pictures at the lighthouse and then go to the inn for like the reception and the the wedding was being held by one of the most well-known wealthiest and influential families on the island
2: okay so this is what yeah. we're going to do if i was a, <laughs> you want to know what i would do if i was the chief there Let me just, can can I tell you? Well,
1: I will tell you that she's no longer the chief, but go ahead.
2: I. You know what? I could see that already. I could have saw that coming. This is what I'm going to do, okay? I am going to let that wedding play out. I am going to let them know that after all festivities are over, I am going to question every single person that attended this wedding. I'm going to make sure that I can try to get a log list of every single person in and out of my island uh, via ferry for the last Three to four days.
1: Yeah, I wonder if those three people on the ferry were attendees of the wedding. Yes,
2: I'm going to double check and reference everything. I do we even know what caliber round bullet it was? We do, we do. What is what is it?
1: Well, I want to get there. Okay, relax.
2: I would just do a clean. I would do a complete uh, rundown of everyone that's been on my island as a police chief. That is my responsibility to everyone on it. So I'm going. That's what I would do. I would go through everything.
1: I guess I could... It was determined that the bullet came from her service weapon.
2: From our victim? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. Because they're trying to stage it like it's a suicide, but in an impossible area. Okay. Continue. That's crazy.
1: (laughs) Okay. So now, key evidence just gone. Some on the scene that night had noted that there had been blood spatter and drag marks. That would have been huge because it would have definitively proved from which angle the gun was shot because blood spatter doesn't lie. And it needed to be determined where the drag marks came from. Was her body moved into a specific position? And that's not to mention all of the evidence that they didn't even get to look for because it had been pitch black. It had been discussed that the scene, and this is what Grasty said before she left, she wanted the scene searched and photographed in the light of day the next morning. But instead, it was washed away. I also want to note that when Chief Karen Grasty ordered the scene be contained as is, because even though it was hosed away, there still could be potential evidence there. And it it should be held for the State Bureau of Investigation. She was basically saying the sheriff's, department clearly can't handle this so the sbi needs to come out here immediately and process this scene and she was told twice to go home and shut up because a prominent family was getting married on the island
2: okay so you could obviously see who really controls the island here yeah okay that is insane to me i cannot even believe this you know what i was thinking too it, just thinking about it in my head like gives me chills i think that little uh when we were sh- uh, giving the audio clip to the uh to our listeners that very last like very high-pitched sound i feel like it could be one of two things and i think you're gonna think that um, radio interference That i'm crazy it could be one of two things mm-hmm. as whoever dragged her um it could have been her body like you know, hitting, the hitting, hitting, yeah, hitting the microphone part or, or that was happening. But the frequency, because there was another cop there on the same channel
1: or someone with a radio.
2: Yeah. And that was the interference that you heard. And then maybe that but they officer- were the
1: only two officers on the island.
2: Yeah. But okay, we can't even account for three random people on an island. Why is it so hard to believe that a cop can't be accounted for on an island? especially know. ones that have been on it for years. Right.
1: Well, why so, do they have their radios on them?
2: I mean, to I know. I, I can't figure out I know I'm just, I'm just throwing uh, I, it out there, Well, too. I'm just saying the reason why we stopped hearing the air interference was probably because either him or her shut, you know, maybe the if it was a man, he shut his radio off or he shut uh, the victim's radio off so the interference would stop. Right. You know, I'm just saying... It's somebody that would – that way they had a – they know exactly what's going on. You know, if if the officer that's eating dinner at, <laughs> is listening to everything go down, why can't there be an, a cop on – this another cop on the island on their channel? They're all on the same channel.
1: Really like a cop that lives on the island. Right. Oh, yeah.
2: those are the three guys that are delivering our, our drugs for the party that we're about to have. Hurry up. Get your ass over there. Like, it could be – very, like, it could be, like, uh, extremely multifaceted here. It could be everyone's involved on the island. To yeah. Everyone's making money. Remember we, we had that one case we were talking about how in Louisiana all those cops back in the day were getting paid off mega money? Yes. It could be the same case here.
1: That I mean was it really Patreon episode. It
2: really could be. It really could be. You have the corrupt John, you cops know. on the island. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll let you get back into
1: it. Okay, but don't worry, there was one thing that was able to be recovered at the scene, and that was a shell casing near a white picket fence. But whether or not this was the original location of where the shell casing was found, um, they don't know. It was stated that when Davina's body was approached, a, a shell casing was seen on the right side of her body, but again, now we don't know if that was the case or not, or if it can be remembered correctly. But even the finding of the shell case got messed up because there's two pictures of the same shell casing. One, it's pictured near the white picket fence. And the other, an officer is holding it without a glove. And then another officer's hand is near it. So now you have two people holding the shell casing, both without gloves. That's great. It's just... Strange. So listen, I know Baldhead Head Island is not used to massive crimes taking place. But to wash away a crime scene for a wedding is just insane. And in the five years that we've been doing this podcast, this is the most flagrant disregard for the integrity of an investigation that we've heard of.
2: I've never heard of it before. It's, it's incredible.
1: So the Buff family... Was kind of feeling the same way that there has just been so much wrong here. And it seems like the police, the sheriff's department, whoever's investigating this, they're not doing their due diligence. So they're going to hire a private investigator. The private investigator brought to their attention everything I mentioned and something else. So the gun that was found at the scene was Davina's police-issued forty caliber Glock, and it was determined to be the murder weapon. But magically, there were no fingerprints on the gun. Not Davina's, not the mystery shooter, not even Lieutenant Keith Kane, who moved the gun twice. So who wiped the gun down and why?
2: I mean that's a very good question.
1: So we do have the murder weapon. And if this were to have been a suicide, her prints would have been on the gun. 100%. And Keith Kane's? Yes. Not even. Nobody's. It was completely wiped. Now, another thing the private investigator was able to find out was that one of the two EMT responders that arrived at the scene just after the fire chief, remember, these are the men that left her body uncovered for everyone to see, was someone who Davina had a big problem with. It turned out that, according to her family, the powers that be didn't just have a problem with Savina making trouble with the wealthy residents and tourists of the island. She was causing havoc elsewhere. A few months into her employment on Bald Head Island, she had filed a sexual harassment complaint against one of the EMT workers on the island, the one that had showed up.
2: Ah, oh, this is insane on so many levels.
1: Mm-hmm. So he had been the one responsible for taking her body away and leaving it out in the open. The family was definitely shocked about all of these things that had been mishandled during this case, and it, and it made it more difficult to process the death of Davina. But just six short weeks after the murder on December 9th, 1999, the district attorney, Rex Gore, released a statement regarding the status of the case. It was solved. He stated that after a thorough investigation from the Bald Head Island Police Department, the Brunswick County Sheriff's Department, the State Bureau of Investigation, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, that the evidence strongly pointed to suicide. The following facts, he believed, supported the fact that the cause of death was suicide. Lack of credible suspects, the fact that the gun was found near her right hand, the fact that the radio call does not contain the voices of other people, and unspecified facts relating to her personal life.
2: I can't believe it. I wish I had the ability to open a case back up because I would do it. (laughs) I really would. I mean, guys, I know that you're going to listen to this in a couple of hours, and I want you to seriously think about the gross mismanagement of this whole thing from the beginning. First of all, the lack of suspects right there is throwing me through a loop.
1: Well, sometimes there's always a lack of suspects. That Doesn't happens means someone everywhere. didn't get murdered.
2: Right, exactly. And you're not going to investigate that? The fact that they, clean, they try to wash away a crime scene, touch things that they should not have been touching, I mean, that is crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, to say the family was outraged was an understatement. They vowed to clear Davina's name. A few things to them stuck out right away. First, the unspecified facts relating to her personal life were that she was being treated for depression with medication and she was seeing a therapist. However, they felt as if she was not suicidal. First, nothing in her journal or notes showed that she was thinking of death by suicide. She had a to-do list in her apartment that included both long-term and short-term things. She absolutely cherished her two Australian shepherds. And also, why would she lay down in a specific position to shoot herself? And even if she did do that, how could the gun have gotten so far away from her hand? Because the gun wasn't found in her hand or next to her hand. It was found a few feet away from her. At least that's what Lieutenant Keith Kane states. And why wouldn't her prince be on the gun?
2: The prince needs to be on her gun in order for her to kill herself.
1: The family was worried that something was amiss here. The things that went wrong in this case and at the crime scene went too wrong. Like maybe things were being covered up. Had Davina stumbled upon something that she shouldn't have? Did she run across a narcotics trade taking place? Or maybe a weapons trade? Or was this a cover-up because she was causing problems for the department and would in the future, too? Both seemed possible, especially when you take the washing of the crime scene and the wiping of prints from the gun into account, let alone every other mismanagement that took place. What the district attorney thought was his strongest piece of evidence corroborating his version of events was a report from the regional medical examiner from Jacksonville, North Carolina, who was better qualified than the man who had initially performed the cursory autopsy that took place. In his report, he claimed that the initial doctor did a quick examination. However, he tracked the bullet trajectory as slightly upward and to the left, with the contact wound being at the back of the right head, something he concluded being highly indicative of suicide.
2: Yeah, no. (laughs) No, 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 no.
1: But the family's claims that it could be a cover-up were further confirmed when the investigator found that Davina had been speaking with someone in Vice, and she told him that she believed There was drugs and money being exchanged in the county, especially at the lighthouse. That night, the night she was murdered, they were supposed to meet up at the lighthouse, but the officer from Vice was not able to show up. And this, of course, is the age before cell phone, so he wasn't able to tell her. So did somebody know she was supposed to meet up with him there? This also explains why she didn't go out on patrol with Keith Kane. That's right. Because she was meeting the guy from Vice there. Somebody knew she was supposed to be meeting up with this guy from Vice. They were waiting by the lighthouse, which is why the golf cart went to the lighthouse. And they were waiting for her to get there alone. And they killed her.
2: Yeah. Uh, That's crazy, actually. Yes.
1: Or had she just randomly stumbled upon drug or weapons traffickers? Could this have been someone in law enforcement or a governmental position? Or was someone just waiting there and she had been ordered to have been killed because she was causing trouble just all over the place?
2: I think her causing trouble all over the place.
1: Made it... Okay. It's just crazy. I I, I think I think it's a combination of those four things.
2: But I think it was because she was stumbling upon things that most people turned a blind eye to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And I think that the officer that was with her, I have a lot of questions for him, because I I was just thinking like if this guy, it was almost like it was a stage, it was a setup. He was gonna sit. He knew that she was gonna leave, and she he wasn't gonna press the issue, so he just sat there he hears what's going on on the radio maybe he receives some other call go over there and and you know take the gun and or do something mess up the crime scene he was the, he was the next responder there this is there. all allegedly allegedly think about it though that's mm-hmm. that he's the first person on scene to her being dead maybe like you know hey you're the fixer go over there and fix it I don't know. To me, this just screams foul play at the highest possible level here. It's, and I think everyone here is involved.
1: It's pretty crazy.
2: So, you know, uh, that, would, that would just be my guess here. Because it can't just be one or two people.
1: Right. Well, with the state unwilling to open her case again, the family had no choice but to take the matter of Davina's death to the North Carolina Industrial Commission four years after her murder. Now, this is a civil proceeding filed in conjunction with the Federal Justice Department because they contended that she had been killed on the job and workers who were killed on the job are entitled to compensation with special consideration for law enforcement officers. This is done to families for them to like, fight for the money that they're owed if someone, someone's death was ruled as a result of the working conditions. So, of course, during these civil proceedings, the burden is on the family to prove that it had not been a suicide. Now, the Buff family did not want the money. All they wanted was for Davina to be able to rest in peace and for people to really know what happened that night on Bald Head Island. After the hearing, Davina's doctor testified that he had been treating her for depression before her death. He stated that he had once heard her reference ending her life, but it was not a fixation for her, and he had considered her to be at low risk for suicide. The family had also paid for a psychological autopsy, where an expert in suicidology found no evidence of a motive or impulsivity found in those who die by suicide. It was presented that nothing in her notes or journals indicated that she would have died by suicide. The family's theory here was that Davina was a big writer. She wrote everything down. There wasn't a piece of paper or a back of an envelope in her apartment that had not been written all over. She was going to die by suicide. She would have left a note. But instead, she was making plans with people. She was... Um, making long-term and short-term goals for herself. She had just built um, this cool walk-up for her dogs to go into the apartment. Like This wasn't signs of someone who was looking to end their life. The massive blunders were also presented. The police had committed many of them during the investigation. The gun handling, the wiping of the prints, the body removal, the fact the body was left in the open— No evidence was collected from the body or the crime scene. The crime scene was rinsed away before it could be pictured or processed. The mistakes on the first autopsy, it seemed endless. Those present at the scene that night testified that they had seen blood spatter and drag marks and a bloody handprint on the back of the truck that Davina had been driving. This could have just been Keith's handprint while he was putting the gun between the two trucks But guess what? We'll never know. Because it was washed away.
2: I I cannot believe this.
1: So next they brought up the reprimands that Davina had received as an officer at Bald Head Island and the ongoing sexual harassment suit that she had. Then there was the meeting with the vice officer that never happened and the suspicious circumstances of the missing golf cart being found at the location that she was later murdered at. But the hardest and most important thing to contest would be the ruling from the regional medical examiner that said suicide was highly likely. They had to prove that it was not. Experts were called by the family's attorney that cited studies that indicated that shots to the back of the head in suicides are very rare in general, and they most likely indicate homicides. They then tried at the hearing um, to recreate what had taken place. A woman who was the same height and weight as Davina with the same arm span tried to use the same model gun to put the muzzle of the gun where her entry wound was. It seemed the only way the muzzle of the gun could reach where the shot happened was with the gun pressing against her head She would have had to have both hands on the gun. She would have had to be holding it over her head with the gun upside down. Now, the only problem with this scenario was that the medical examiner said the bullet had an upward and slightly left trajectory. So that is not how she could have done it. She would have had to have the gun only in her right hand and reached all the way around, which was physically impossible. Then they tried it again with her laying on the ground. Now, even if she would have been able to get the shot off that way while she was laying on the ground, which was very, very, very difficult, near impossible. How did the gun land feet away from her hands after?
2: Well, that's the problem. We don't know because there's only one cop that we know that was there moving things around.
1: Mm -hmm. And this was also tried the same scenarios with women that were smaller, um, like, shorter, and then women that were taller than her, and it was still difficult. I don't know. On July nineteenth, two 2004, the North Carolina Industrial Commission ruled that the family proved with sufficient evidence that her manner of death was not a suicide, but rather a homicide.
2: Okay, so now, I mean, that's great as far as acknowledgement. But, like, wouldn't that be enough to reopen her case?
1: Well, hold on. Okay. They also criticized responders for handling the crime scene and the evidence the way they did. So this was kind of a big slap in the face for the police department on Bald Head Island, the sheriff's department, and the State Bureau of Investigation. So it was kind of like, ooh, this – the. The governmental bodies were not happy with each other in this case here. Davina Buff Jones was declared an officer that was killed in the line of duty. Her estate received $50,000 and an additional $12,500 in attorney's fees. Then the federal government stepped in, and the U.S. Department of Justice later awarded. $147,000 from the Federal Public Safety Officer's Benefit Office. So that means that not only did the North Carolina Industrial Commission rule this way, so did the federal. Okay. This gave the family the courage and the finances to continue Davina's fight. She was murdered, and they wanted whoever did it to be prosecuted. At this time, the talk on the island was going crazy. Some people thought she died by suicide because of her failed relationships and that she wanted to spare her family the hardships of knowing that she had died that way. But others believed it had been planned. They knew she was there because she was meeting a vice officer and she was going to tell on the powers that be. She was trouble, and they wanted to eliminate it. It was also in the interest of those who make money on the island, it being a tourist spot, um, to kind of make this murder go away because it's bad for business. Also, guess who was let go? Chief Karen Grasty.
2: She was let go, or or she left herself? She was let go. Okay.
1: In 2005, a year after the ruling and all the scrutiny he received from his initial handling of the case, the district attorney, Rex Gore, asked the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation to look over the case again. The review, in turn, criticized the North Carolina Industrial Commission's assumptions. Really? Yeah. They said, no, their ruling was wrong, and based on her mental state, it was a staged suicide.
2: You see, you know, it's, (laughs) I have a, I have such a problem with people think just because someone might be dealing with depression or is being treated for depression, that automatically means they're suicidal and they have suicidal tendencies. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not fair to anyone that might be dealing with depression or, you know, or is, or, you know, whatever. That's not cool because, you're saying to me now that just because of that fact alone that she was going to a doctor for it, that she killed herself.
1: I think it was a convenient thing. Of course to it go is, with.
2: but I also think it also shows the time. You know, it shows the times and how things were looked at too. It's 1999. Yeah. Doesn't seem long ago, but a long ago. There was a stigma. We've grown. There was a stigma <laughs> surrounding mental. We've illness. definitely grown towards mental uh, to understand and be more compassionate with mental illness. You know.
1: Well. Rex Gore isn't going to be the district attorney forever. Okay. And five years later, in 2010, new district attorney, John David, took over and pledged to the family that he would look over the case again. As the Buff family had not ever stopped trying to prove that their daughter was murdered and try to find the person or persons who had done it. David pulled together a panel of five former FBI agents with years of experience in various specializations. They had no loyalties or biases, so they were the best for the case. They went back over the entire case. They revisited the details um, that were played out in the civil court hearing with the industrial commission. They looked over their findings, but of course, and this was the most important thing, they couldn't reconstruct the crime scene because it had not been properly documented. It had literally been washed away. So their investigation ended because they couldn't recreate the crime scene. So they said this is unresolved. We can't tell you whether this was suicide or homicide because we don't have the crime scene. We don't have fingerprints. The gun was wiped. How or we can't figure anything out?
2: I, I can't and I even think in that. reality,
1: because of the proper, because of the improper handling of all of the evidence in the scene, it is impossible to determine what took place. But just two years later, this case would take a very interesting turn. In August of 2012, former district attorney Rex Gore, who had been adamant about declaring Davina's death a suicide, was indicated on felony conspiracy charges. These charges are in regards to falsifying documents, like travel expenses incurred that never took place, but he and his secretary were paid for nonetheless. In addition, there was conspiracy to obtain property by false pretenses. This is a combination crime of fraud and larceny, and it's where an individual lies or makes misrepresentation in order to obtain property of another. So that's the district attorney. He pleaded guilty and served two years. Then the former sheriff, Ronald Hewitt, the one who had ordered Davina's body moved, was indicated on federal weapons charges for illegal guns that he had in his home.
2: You know, You know, so we could really look at this and say, okay, they might not have been charged with a connection to her murder, but it's very easy for you to just say, okay, well... They obviously were shady people doing shady things. So is this out of the realm of possibility that they had some sort of involvement? Right. They Obviously, they're not doing the right thing, and they're getting caught now.
1: It makes you wonder.
2: It does. It It makes you wonder. It does.
1: Now, Ronald Hewitt was arrested but died in custody. Now, following another inquiry by the district attorney in 2017, he announced that based on the Industrial Commission's determination— that serious questions existed concerning the suicide, and he was going to change the official determination in the eyes of the state from suicide to undetermined. Now that may not seem like a lot, but it meant a lot for the family. Her death was now not officially ruled a suicide, but undetermined, and based on what happened to the crime scene and the evidence, that's the most they were gonna get, unless they, had a confession, that was pretty much all they were going to have. The family won that concession, which was of some comfort, especially because Davina's mother, Harriet, got to know that the manner of her daughter's death was changed. And that was able to happen before her death in 2020. Now, unfortunately, there's no marker where Davina Buff Jones died, and we will never truly know what happened that night. That secret is held by that old lighthouse, who must count it as just another tragic death that he has watched as the island claimed another life on that cold October night.
2: It was a very good case. I liked it a lot.
1: So we just won't ever know.
2: It's just sad because... You know, you have. It looks like everyone on the island that had a responsibility to the people on it failed. They failed amongst themselves. You know, they failed amongst their fellow officers. They failed. They they failed. Like they failed everyone there. And if it was truly, even if the cops didn't do anything to her, they could have investigated the people on the island during the time of her death. There. You had a wedding there. You had people that you couldn't even, that were not even on the, like, normally not on the island. You People say, oh, no suspects. You have suspects. You have the people on the ferry that were coming in. You right. have people that were coming in to visit for this wedding. These are all things that you have to investigate. Now, we, they didn't really bring that up much. They didn't mention that. But I think that if you press that hard enough and you put the time and effort into it to figure out who was there and to speak to them at the moment, the day or two later, while it was there fresh in everyone's mind, that could have been a key right there. Did someone, did anyone see anything? Like, what's going on?
1: You know? I agree with you. I think it was a one-track thought process after they couldn't find the shooters. I'll
2: tell you what, even if you cannot recreate a crime scene. Because, I mean, that is the goal to try to do that. But even if you can't, you can investigate the people that were there. You might find a clue there somehow or as to why someone would want to kill her. Right. There's got to be something. And I would also want to talk to this vice agent because it can't just be so simple as, oh, we were meeting. Yeah. There had to have been talks before the the, the eventual meeting. That made the officer from Vice or detective from Vice come and talk to her. What did she tell this officer well, from I think Vice? she wanted
1: to meet them in person and not reveal things over the phone, technically. But I, but yeah. you're right. There's a lot of questions in this case, and I'm just shocked this isn't covered more. Than it I didn't is.
2: even know that this island even existed. So, <laughs> thank you for this. This was great, and I love myself mystery. This is phenomenal, even though it's very upsetting. It's, uh, it's a good case, uh, it, but I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry a very for intriguing family.
1: case, and I do feel yeah. terrible for her family. I do, too. Because you have this young rookie officer who is just so eager to do the right thing, and I don't know. It's really sad.
2: Yeah, no, I but feel it is terrible. The
1: biggest mismanagement of a crime scene I've ever seen.
2: Never heard of anything like that in my life. No. And I'll be the first one to admit, sometimes I do talk a little shit about you know, cops and our mishandlement of, you know, of, of evidence and stuff. But this is, oh, my God. This is the worst of This seen. is the worst I have ever heard awesome. in my life.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, before we end this episode, we do want to thank our new supporters on Patreon. So, Cerise Rico, thank you so much for joining Patreon. Katie upped her pledge. Leslie Cernasek upped her pledge. Jaden Mary. Michelle Geignard. Samantha Trent Howen, Kathy Fox, Amy Powers, Brent Eldridge, Lindy, Nicole Strength, Melissa Waldron, Jenna Trudel, Moved to a Year-Long Subscription, Justine Belangner, Alyssa Longfellow, Hester House, Amy Pratt, Ashley Phoenix, Carola Schmidt, Kim Coran, Schlu. Rosalyn Brown, Donna Pfeiffer, Andrea Rose, Renee Youngblood, Shanna Marchio went to a year membership. Thank you so much. Yami Kokot, Jade DeRocher, and Michelle Mercier up to her pledge. Thank you so much. And we hope you guys are enjoying Patreon. Let us know if you need anything. You could always send us a message. And until next time, guys, don't park next to vans.